Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy. And today, as always, we've got another amazing guest on our show. She is a brain injury advocate who has gone through the struggles of going through 10 plus concussions and the debilitating symptoms that comes with those head knocks. Welcome to the show, Bella Page. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, excellent. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. So I've been in the concussion world for for some time now. I was really lucky to be in one of the clinics that was treating the star NHL players so over a decade ago when basically concussions were just starting to gain some awareness and traction. And you've been at this a while on both sides, the advocacy. Yeah, it's been then, a long time. Of course, time. the struggles of going through this. So how did you end up with 10 plus concussions? Uh, so one of the problems is I'm a little bit of an adrenaline junkie. So there's <clears throat> that issue for sure. And then uh, the other problem is uh, show jumping horses. So I was really oh, into... Okay being a competitive athlete and things like that. And I was very competitive, like moved away from home when I was 14. So that's how it started. I had my first few. I didn't think anything of them. Like I just carried on, got back on my horse, uh, those types of things. I had a few snowboard accidents and things like that. But the majority of them were definitely from the horses, sadly. Yeah, that's that's one of those sports that people just don't realize uh, you're falling quite a bit and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's always kind of being that mentality to get back up, get on the horse again and go do it, do it again. Um, how did that kind of play into, um, what you went through and, uh, and how these injuries started to accumulate with your health? Yeah, for sure. So it started when I was about 15. And so what happened was I had one concussion two years before that that lasted. It was the only one that I noticed I did wasn't better within a week or two. Okay. It was about a month, like maybe two months of headaches. Like my family would go on vacation and we'd go on roller coasters and I'd want to throw up. And right. so I just didn't feel like myself. And then everything kind of got better. I was back to living away from home, show jumping, doing all that. And then what happened was the headache started. And the headache started when I lived in a different country from my family. <laughs> uh, it was like, if you drove, it was like it's 30 hours away. It's a uh, two flights away. And that's where I was living. And they started every day. And then they didn't go away or they would come and go and what I did as a 15 year old who was loving her life, being a competitive athlete at that level was crazy. And so I just didn't tell anyone. Oh, so, geez. yeah. So I would like get up, I would take Tylenol a little more than I probably should have. And I would blame it on other things for about eight months. I would say, oh, well, a heat stroke, or I didn't drink enough water, or I didn't sleep. And then I had insomnia and I'd be working out at like 4 a.m. doing yoga trying to like calm my brain down because I was in pain or sometimes it wasn't pain. I just couldn't sleep at night. And so I was just kind of carrying on. And then there was a few bad warning signs that happened over the one summer. So 
I lived with one of my best friends at the time who was a lot older than me, but I lived with her and her parents because that's where the sport was. So it worked great. And so I lived with them and they started noticing the odd thing. Like you're saying you have headaches more than most people would say. Like I started bringing them up a little bit and then I passed out once I got off my horse and then collapsed. And I just told everyone it was heat stroke, but it's because I went into the ring in so much pain that when I got out and I got off, I like collapsed in like, like I fainted. And so I kept going and I was okay. And nothing really seemed to like, you know, it seemed like I could just survive it. Like nobody knew. I had a feeling that there was a really big problem going on, but I didn't want to talk about it because I was like, if I bring it up, then I can't do this. My parents will make me move home. Those types of things. Right. But what happened is I did move home, uh, usually for school for a few months, uh, like in the off season, because horses get a break and stuff like that. So I would move home and I moved home. And what happened is the adrenaline of riding stopped. So then my whole world came crumbling down, essentially. Uh, So then the headaches didn't stop. Uh, Then they started and then they lasted about six more years. Every day I had a headache. Wow. Yeah. And I got told to drop out of high school every year, drop out of university for four years and all that type of thing. So that's what started it. And then it just kind of carried on for a very long time in a lot of different ways. So during this six years, were you able to get back up on the horse or was that done as well? Uh, So the it was seven plus years with a headache every day. And so I did, that was probably part of my problem is I don't, is I didn't stop. Like a lot of the time, like you get, this was 10 over 10 years ago when this started. And then, then like doctors were pretty all over the place when you get help. Some of them really knew like what to do. And most of them just told me to sleep in a dark room, which we've learned is not the best recommendation, but that's what I was told to do. And so I did that and then I would maybe go to school, but then because of my mental health, my parents would let me ride. And I think that's why they let me ride because like a lot of my doctors would say, yeah, like go ahead. So I just kept doing it and my headaches just kept going and uh, I did get them to stop finally, but I did keep riding because I I was never intending to uh, end my career because of my concussions ever. I was never on the... I never thought it would happen, but it did. Right. Are you ready to take your brain health to a brand new, higher level than ever before? Then please check out thehardybrain.ca and inquire about our virtual brain health intensive programs. You're able to get up on the horse, obviously. How was your riding affected, though? Like, uh, were you kind of yeah. just in this zone that you could get through it? Or did you start to notice that it was more and more difficult? Uh, what happened? So it's kind of weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's like the, like how when you're doing something you love, you don't notice. So I could get on and ride horses and ride them all day or ride my one and get off and then I'd be in pain. Like I could, the whole ride, I would not notice. And I think it was just the joy. Like I loved what I did. I like, there was so much love for it that I think while I was in those moments, I was okay. 
So at the same time, it was like a nice relief. Like every day I could get an escape, whether I rode, sometimes it was really casually just because of the headaches, but at least riding gave me that break. But the second I'd get off, it'd be like, oh, wow. Like I'm in a lot of pain. And right. so that was really tough because like I could do it. But then the second I stopped, uh, it was really hard to deal with. But at that time, I didn't really care. It was worth it. It wasn't until the headache stopped and I started riding horses again that I realized that it wasn't worth it anymore. It wasn't worth being in pain. Like I'd ride. Uh, I went back into riding full time. So that's like six, eight horses a day. And okay. then... Oh, I was so like hard. over a bucket, puke, like could not get out of bed. I would ride all day and then like couldn't get up, have to sleep. My days were done. And then I realized that like, is this worth like my health? And for the first time ever, I put my health first uh, just over three years ago. Well, let's explain this. So when was kind of the first time that you did seek out help? And uh, what has been this journey through the healthcare system to actually mm -hmm. get improvements because we're talking years here we're, we're not talking just okay yeah sleep off this headache and what yeah what was that process yeah so it started with uh i did like family doctor at first and mm -hmm. then like the first when i came home my parents started panicking because i couldn't go to school and I couldn't do anything. Like, I couldn't get out of bed. I got very, very depressed. My mental health in this was severe. And so what I did was went to school if I could, and then I'd sleep. And then I started seeing doctors. So they sent me to my family doctor first, like general practitioner, kind of like routine thing. And then he's like, well, you had like a lot of concussions at this point. Like, I think then I might have been at like seven Okay. and or six or seven around there and so he's like well you've had quite a few like that's probably what it is and so he sent me to a neurologist and then I got put on I call it the merry-go-round of meds yes. uh, so you get put on a med three months you get off the merry-go-round get on the merry-go-round with a different med and you do that again and again and again and so I did that for two years and while I did that my parents had me doing like they were sending me to doctors and therapists. So I did like acupuncture, massage, chiro, vision therapy uh, of what vision therapy was then. There wasn't really, uh, it wasn't the same as it is now. Uh, like right. a lot of it was like balance and stuff like that, where now it's like all these movements with your eyes or like, it was like pencil push-ups, and we've come a long way oh, from pencil no. push-ups. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, you said, oh no. <laughs> we've come a very long way from things like that. And a lot of the recommendations were go lay in a dark room. Well, what happened was I laid in that dark room was that I couldn't get out of it. Right. Then school was too bright. Then the car noises were too loud. Like then it became like, you've lived in this dark room for so long that getting out of it, it feels impossible because it's been months. And so eventually I said no. So I did like the two years of meds and the one year that I was on them, what happened was I lost a bunch of weight. So one of the meds, I was that person that like, you know, you get like that piece of paper with all of the symptoms that you could get or side effects from a medication. Right. So I usually got like the scary one at the bottom. So oh, no. uh, like some of these like, yeah. So one of them was like, one of them, my neurologist was like, I didn't, she's like, I've read it there, but I've never had a patient with it. And she just retired. So she had been a neurologist that time I saw her for a decent amount of time. And 
Yeah. Night terrors. I would wake up screaming or like oh, trenched in sweat or like something crazy like that. So then I had to stop taking that one. And then what happened is I, the next one I took was it actually helped my headaches. And I think that's the problem is it reduced the headaches, not to point where they weren't there, but I did get like relief. But the problem is I couldn't eat. So okay. like if I if I took the med, I would want to throw up or like I could eat maybe an apple a day or a soup. And, but that was three months. So three months of not eating. I lost about 20, 25 pounds from what I am right now. So we called it uh, pharmaceutical anorexia because then I had to go see dietitians and nutritionists oh, okay. for over a year to two years to kind of teach my body to eat again. It's crazy how after just three months of like not eating anything that like if I ate a full size meal, it would all come up or I'd be like screaming in pain. And so that added to all of my concussion <laughs> uh, problems. And then I went to university. And what happened was I told everyone I was better and it's because I could go out more. Like I was making it to school. Um, like I could go out with friends and stuff like that, but I was still had a headache every day. I just got, I think better at handling the pain. Like I could uh, cope with it. It wasn't that the pain had gone away. It was just, I'm adapting to surviving with it. Like I always in a severe pain, but I can live with this. So I told everyone I was better. And then I moved away from home again. <laughs> and then uh, I think like six months later, I like, like text messaged my sister and was like bawling and was like, I wasn't a full-time high school student. Like even when I graduated, like I wasn't a full-time student. I never got to that point. But then I went to full-time university, which is oh, such a huge okay. jump. Like, I don't know why I thought that was okay, but in my brain it was. And so I did that and I was riding horses and I wasn't living at home and I crashed. Like uh, I had one course where you had to read a book every like two weeks. Uh, it was like a literary course and I was in business, but it was just like an intro course. And I remember calling my sister and I was like, I'm three books behind. I was like, I can't read because I my memory and reading problems were severe for me. Like I could read a page and not tell you what I read. Or if I read like a chapter in a book, then I would pay for it with a headache later. So like my symptoms were just like skyrocketing. And then I moved home because <laughs> so I was like, I can't do this. And then I did school properly. So I went uh, to my hometown uh, college, university, and then what I did was I went to their disability center and I got proper like accommodations where like I didn't need to go to class. Uh, I got extensions on papers. I took less classes that semester. Like I did it right. Uh, I wrote a test in test centers where it was super quiet. I had fact sheets, like a cheat sheet uh, okay. just with words because my memory was so poor. But to get all that, I had to do, I think, an eight hour test day of cognitive testing to prove that I had memory issues. So oh, it was okay. like, you know, like they repeat numbers to you. It's almost like an Alzheimer's test. <laughs> right, yeah. it's, it, it's, it really is. Cause the first time I did it in high school, it was in like an Alzheimer's facility because there was nowhere else to do it. Uh, so I did that. And then I did get through university, but through university, I did some therapies. Uh, and, but what, my issue with was in university was I told myself that if my headache stopped, then my mental health would get better. I was right. convinced. I was like, you know, like all the depression, the suicidal thoughts, all of that 
was from the pain because I am in so much pain. Who wants to live in this much pain type thing? Like I had very bad days. Like there was days where I would get out of bed and collapse and walk 10 steps and sit down and walk 10 steps and sit down. Or for example, my mom's stairs had like three sets, like, you know, like the tiers. And I would sit on each landing. I would like go down five steps and like sit and lay there for like 10 minutes and then do another five and sit and lay there for 10 minutes. And I lived with a hood and a hat on, like my head was super sensitive. If you touched it, I would just collapse to the ground. So it was a very long time and therapies were getting better. People knew more about concussions in those years, but still not like the best, but like things were coming out. My problem was, was it was all the NFL. Right. And it was all That's like they've had 40 plus concussions or a thousand hits to the head or some crazy numbers. And I'm like, well, I haven't had that many. Like, like I've had a lot of concussions, but I was like, what? Why? And I had a few concussions in these years. Like I ended up in an ambulance once uh, and things like that. And my family, like they always say there's like one child that stresses out your family a lot. And that's me. I'm great at it. And but like all through university, like the first three years, every year I'd see my neurologist, the one I started talking with, like the years before. And she'd be like, I think you should stop. Like, why are you in school? Like, why are you doing this to yourself type thing? But I was really, I loved school. I loved learning. And I was like, I want to do this either if it's like, so I started taking like you're a competitor, correct? Yeah. It's that same mindset. Like I got to get this done. Like I started it, have to finish it. And so I did graduate, but in my last year, what happened was my headaches started to go away. Really? Okay. Which was great. But what happened is my headaches started to go away, but my mental health didn't improve at all. And I think it's... How can it? Because you've It doesn't naturally improve. So much. Yeah, it does not. (laughs) How bad was the mental health though? Like you're talking about not even... being able to go up a flight of stairs, you're in so uh, yeah. much pain and, yeah. and so... uh, completely <laughs> isolated from everyone mm-hmm. else in a dark room. Uh, what was the mental health kind of at? Like, yeah. what, what so, were the thoughts going, going uh, In high school, I had uh, notes to my entire family in my bedside drawer because every night I was like, I'm done. Uh, like I just like couldn't do it. So I had that for about, that was probably almost a year, uh, that I lived like that. And I wouldn't say a lot of people knew I was really good at like, like I've met people after high school or they hear about my work now and my company. And they're like, I didn't even know you went through this because you didn't know when I went to school, you would have no idea. Like, they're like, I noticed you started disappearing, but like, and like people would say like, oh, head injury, but like, I didn't realize how bad it was because I'd see you and you'd be like laughing and like bubbly and like you're very outgoing. So then they didn't see that I was struggling. So I think that was part of my problem. And I didn't like that burden feeling like I always felt super bad. My mom dealt with me the most for sure. Like she was that like sleep on your hospital bed type mom. She was always oh, there. Yeah. And So she was always with me at home and stuff every day. And so every day she would like ask how I am. Are you okay? I was like, you know, I'm not okay. And I would rage out. And so like the anger was really bad. Emotional control is a huge thing after concussions. And I didn't have any. 
like I would go from bawling to screaming to like laughing within like an hour. And then it would take me like a while to come down and I learned to apologize. But at that point I was just so angry at the world. Uh, Retiring from a sport uh, was really, really tough. When I was 14, I got told the Olympics were the plan from coaches, parents, all that. So when that, I realized that that was gone. Uh, that was really hard because it was like, it's not my ability taking this away. It's my health. So it's really hard when your health is the one that's making all of your decisions in your life. Like I just remember like yelling at my mom saying like, I just want to be a kid. Like, why can't I just go to school and be stressed out? Like my friends that their test isn't like, you know, they didn't do well on a test. I don't want to be stressed out about the fact that I go into an exam and have forgot all of the information and I'm in so much pain. Like, for example, I had to take a T3 or a heavy medication to write an exam or I couldn't write it because the, like you add stress of the exam, you add the studying, and then you add like the focus and concentration you'd need. I couldn't do it. So my mental health was bad uh, and it would go in waves. Like I'd be like good for a while and then it'd be really, really bad. And I call them like dark spirals. And so like little things would set me off. For example, uh, when I lost all the weight, I remember people commenting like, oh, I wish I could lose weight that fast. I was like, should this be your comment right now? Like I look like a ghost. Like I have, there is nothing to me. None of my clothes fit. Like I'm living in sweatpants and giant hoodies because all of my jeans, like you could fit another arm down them. Like you really want to comment on like how you wish you could lose weight right now. I'm like, that's kind of hard. Uh, Or I had a teacher once not believe I was ill and tried to remove me and like suspend me from school um for not go yeah there was like lots of little things like that like it's getting better now because like when you research concussion stuff there's something there when you researched it 10 years ago when I was in high school nothing came up (laughs) like at least not a lot and so uh like we had to teach the high school how to deal with it like my mom would come in and she would be like okay so she's gonna come in for like one class a day and she will get her work done but like you have to give her grace time and like all that type of thing. But like, they had never dealt with someone like that. Uh, They had no idea because when I did go, I looked okay. So that was really hard. And so the mental health part of it was really hard. And my parents, like they'd send me to therapists and I was very stubborn. Like I was a, I'm still a stubborn person and I was a stubborn teenager and it was way worse than, and they would say one thing. And like some of the therapy sessions, cause I was younger, my mom would come in and she's like, you're never going to see them again. And I was like, no, she's like, they said the wrong thing. I was like, yes, they did. She's like, like, she's just like, you know, like, like, okay, like, let's find somebody else. And we would. And then like, I was really good at hiding it. And I think that was part of the problem was I didn't realize that hiding it hurt my family more in the end. Like if I had told them, like, I don't want to be here. And like all the suicidal thoughts as much as I had them, like, I think they had come up like once or twice. But if I had really told them, like, I am not okay, they would have helped me. Like, my family is amazing. I think that's why I started doing what I'm doing is because it doesn't matter. I am one of four. My siblings, like, I text them every day. I see them every two days. Like, we don't live together, but we talk all the time. I was at my sister's last night. I had her kids yesterday. Like, 
we are very close. My parents are incredible, but that didn't matter. Doesn't right. mean my mental health didn't suffer. You know, people are like, oh, like you look at the picture and it's like, why? Like, how did she end up attempting suicide? And I'm like, it didn't matter at that point. Like, I was so ill. Like, my brain was ill. And it took me a long time to learn that part. And actually, after I attempted suicide was when uh, I got put in mandated therapy. I didn't have a choice to quit. Um, <laughs> and my family was like hawks. Like, they wouldn't, like, leave me alone. Like, I had to be drove to go see my horse and come home and all these things. But I was really mad at them at the time. Uh, now, when I look back at it, I'm very grateful for them. Like, and I know oh, I was very. How mad. old were you when this occurred? And, 21. Uh, 21. And mm -hmm. what uh, did you did you do um, that that drew this attention with this attempt? Uh, I so I have a warning sign. So mm -hmm. I always like to teach people with what I do is Great. what is your warning sign? Uh it's not always like the media where it's like you cut your hair off and you dye it a different color and all your clothes go really dark. It's not always that simple. Uh, for me, it was excessive exercise. Okay. So I would like, I think I ran three times a day for about two weeks before I did because I couldn't handle the thoughts. Like my mental health was like very severe. Uh, I was in exams for school actually at the time. And I just, like, I think I did just gave up on studying or I would sit there and like look at books, but I didn't do anything. And uh, so that's kind of how it like. And it was weird because I remember telling myself that my mental health was better like a month before because my headaches were better. And that's where I learned that, like, with concussions, you need to address both. Right. I spend a lot of time working with people doing like go to physical therapy, see the doctors, like work on that part, but your mental health is going to be affected just as much. And they really do intermix. So like doing therapy and all that, like saved my life finally, because I learned how to get rid of like, you know, those spiraling thoughts I talked about. Mm -hmm. I could get them to go away. And how were you able to do this? Like what was the recovery uh, yeah. process? When did you yes. actually finally start to see results? Mm -hmm. So for the mental health part, uh, the concussion part, I don't have an answer, uh, like for the pain. Uh, mm -hmm. I had done like years of therapies. I think it was a combination of everything. There was never anything that was like flip switched. Everything's better. Like it just naturally, like over time with all the therapies, things started to improve and then the headaches dissipated and went away. And I was like very happy. I don't have the magic. I wish I could be like, this is what worked. But right. I don't have that answer for those. But the mental health was the talk therapy. Uh, so we would sit, we did mindfulness stuff. And a lot of it was like learning how to get like those spiraling thoughts would start. And now I could get them to stop. Like, and it started with like, it would take me a few days uh, to get out of like this like spiral of like, kind of like shakiness and stuff. But then eventually it got to the point where like within a minute within like, you know, an hour or five minutes. And it just got, I got faster at it and better at it to the point where like, to this day, I will have like, uh, I'd say like twice a year where it's like my body kind of like panics and it's like, uh, cause my health is great now in comparison to then, yes. but it's not perfect. 
uh, like sometimes I overdo it. For example, like I read a book in a day and then it's like, oh no, <laughs> like I overdid it. Um, those types of things. So what I really learned was like, like finding a balance and like, just because today is bad doesn't mean tomorrow has to be. And so like that mindset's really helped me, uh, not so much planning into the future has helped me, uh, because like expectations and the world changes all the time. And then, yeah, I just think this all is those a hard points. one for people to understand is that the future plan, it can actually yeah. be very detrimental it can. to people's health. Yeah. It really yeah. can. And trying to explain. So I tell people that I don't plan into the future and they like look at me and they're like, what do you mean? I was like, don't get me wrong. There is goals. Like there are things that I would like to accomplish in the future, but I don't, there is no date. There is no right. like by this year, I'm going to have this or by these years, I'm going to have this. It's I have six months and I couldn't tell you what I'm doing past there. There might be like, oh, I'd like to go on this trip. I'd like to do this. But I don't go further than that. Like even for like the company, it goes, it's six months. I don't like, I could tell you big giant plans I have for it, but I don't go, this is here and this and this and this, because I've learned that life doesn't work that way. And I find I do better not living that way. I do much better not going like, this is my plan. And I'm almost too bad. Like I got too good at not planning for the future and like too bad at looking ahead because for example, I focus on today. I'm a very like in the now person to the point where I was at my sister's like a few weeks ago and it was a Sunday and I go, well, I'll see you later this week. Cause I always like go by. She's got three little ones and she's like tomorrow. I was like, what? She's like, I will see you tomorrow. It's your birthday dinner tomorrow. I was like, Tom- I will see you tomorrow. She's like, wow. You're like, I was like, I told you before I go to bed, I look at my calendar and that's my day for the next day. But I don't like check it all the time. Like I just, every day is a new day and I just have to live like that because I do way better. Like I couldn't say I've ever been this happy and I just, it works much better for me. Yeah. And I suppose you're getting more of a sense now of basically how you're going to feel the next day. Oh, yeah. Whereas previously... It was, okay, I'm either going to feel horrible or I'm going to have that moment where, yeah, I'm happy, Bella, and none of my friends know anything's wrong. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. It really does go like that. And I didn't really, like, I think I would, what would happen was I would get a bad headache on like a Monday Cause like, for example, the weekends would get busy and then I would like, I would make that headache last till Friday cause I would be so upset and like angry or like, like I'm not improving and like, you know, like the mental game is just as big. And so I learned to like not get so worked up about it. Like this day is terrible. So, okay. So we are canceling every meeting and we are not going out and we are canceling all our plans and that is okay. But tomorrow we could totally not feel like this and we're going to just start our day like that. But that took a long time. I wouldn't have been able to do that years ago because I was in so much pain every day. It didn't matter. There was no tomorrow's going to be better mindset because it, it wasn't better. (laughs) So, uh, and it takes a long time. Like 
we talk, uh, I have like a support community and I'm in it constantly every day. And one of the big things we talk about is like changing mindset and how we laugh at like how social media is like, change your mindset. And it's like, (laughs) it is not that simple. It is something that takes months to years. Like the mindset I am in now took me two years to create two years of like, you know, like don't think so much about the future, work on you, work on like, that was not a like switch flip. Like I think this way and only this way. Now your brain doesn't work that way, but I know like you'll see things that are like, you can do this. And it's like, I do believe you can do it, but it's not overnight, sadly. Well, it definitely will never be overnight with everything that's going on. And yeah, you mentioned that it was a daily, I'm going to be in pain. Things aren't going to be that great. Um, And yeah, uh, it's going to be filled with these ups and downs and sometimes getting that glimmer of hope uh, leads to despair as well. Yes. The highs and the lows. I had to go back to therapy for that (laughs) because I got uh, afraid of like happiness as weird as that sounds, because every time I had really high highs, if the low lows, like then I go too high and then I'd crash. Uh, Like my mental health would go to like ecstatic to like severe depression, like, and like, you know, like a week period. So I had to like learn how to like, Except the high highs, except the low lows, but like kind of live in the middle. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you're you're helping a lot of people out now um, because yeah, you're you're experienced. You're you're a veteran. It's wild. <laughs> with this. Uh, what is some of the advocacy work you're doing, and uh, and sort of the the other people you're you're uh, supporting? Yeah, for sure. So. I started two years ago because my brother told me I talk too much. (laughs) And so that happened because he's like, you talk a lot. Maybe you should start a podcast. So I decided to do that. And after that, I just worked with the podcast for a little while and kind of worked with people. Uh, I didn't expect it to blow up in the way it did. I started a blog and ended that because I realized it was like I would dread doing the blog. So I was like, I would need to be doing something that I enjoy and that I love. So instead, I really focused on the podcast and it just grew and grew. I just has grown beyond what I ever expected. I can't keep up with the emails and the messages of requests to go on the show, requests to be a part of it or how can I help? Uh, Thank you so much. And like requests for help. So I was getting so many requests for help that I decided to start a support community and that's called Concussion Connect. And I started that because I realized that there was like this glass wall. I do podcasts and all these people would message me, but I never got to know them because I messaged them for like a day and then I never talked to them again. So what I started was the support community, which has support groups and is continuing to grow. Like we have courses coming out, free books, all these types of things. But what it allows me to do is like take down that glass wall that I find kind of happens with podcasting where like 
I feel very connected with my audience, but I want to get to know them. So now I do. And I get to help people every day and they get to help each other, which is one of the best things about it. It's like, I see every day, like my notifications from it are insane. And it's like people talking to other people and commenting, asking questions, posting pictures about their day, about therapies, all those types of things. So that is kind of where I'm at right now, except for like books and stuff that are coming out next year. Excellent. Now that is amazing stuff. Now, what are you finding now that you've got this huge kind of concussion support network? Um, what are sort of some of the themes of things that people are still struggling with that maybe they aren't able to find the solutions for? What What are some of the gaps? Are you Are you finding kind of themes with with holes where people just aren't able to to find solutions to to their problems? I think a lot of time people are always asking on the support communities, like, I'm so grateful because I felt really alone or nobody mentioned my mental health or nobody mentioned that my family needs support too. And that was something I went through. Like nobody talked to my siblings about this other than my parents who barely knew what was going on because I barely knew what was going on. So it was really nice to like have a community where we have like family members join and uh, partners join together so that they can both talk and ask questions and kind of get the help that they need one-on-one or just from a community of people. So that part's great. And like finding healthcare is really hard. So I do a lot of that one-on-one with people is helping them find doctors and specialists in their area that really understand like what they're going through because a lot of the time what happens is you go see a doctor and then it's a learning curve for both of you. You have to teach them about concussions and concussion care and they have to try to understand you. So it takes a really long time to make any progress where if you can find someone who has experience in the area of concussions, then like your progress is so much better because they can help you right away or they can refer you to the right people right away. And so People can find me on all social media at Post Concussion Inc. Or they can also find the website. It's postconcussioninc.com where everything is there. The podcast is there, which is on every single platform called the Post Concussion Podcast. And yeah, that's um, how you can find me. And people can email me, reach out, join the community, that kind of thing at any time because I'm always here to help as much as I can. My goal was to help one person. And now I'm in the thousands to tens of thousands. So it is a wonderful thing that's just grown and grown. Amazing. And yes, thank you for for sharing everything there and helping so many people that are really struggling through an invisible disorder that a lot of people don't understand. And I really, really do commend you on the work you're doing. And Thank you for, for the people you're helping out. I know it's very frustrating for everyone. And we will call it for today. And stay tuned to the next episode of The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. Take care. Take care.